Podcast. We were talking about January 2013. We were talking about Royal Rumble 2013. Yeah. So we're uh, we're gonna swing out. We're gonna leave Texas. We're gonna go to the Dallas airport. We're gonna fly out to Phoenix, Arizona. We're gonna visit the U.S. Airways Center for the 26th annual WWE Royal Rumble, featuring JBL, Fair the King Lawler, and Michael Cole. Uh, our two main event matches are the actual Royal Rumble itself, featuring guys like John Cena, Sheamus, Ryback, uh, Rey Mysterio, Sin Cara, and some uh, surprise entrance. Dolph Ziggler, some surprise entrance. And then our proper main event is CM Punk on his 434 day WWE title reign defending against The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnston. Beanston. So we had a pre-show match of Cesaro beating the Miz to retain the U.S. title. Just go ahead and throw that out there. Don't need to talk about it, but now you know, kids. It was a sellout crowd of 15,103 rabid lunatic fans. It was actually very quiet till the Rumble. And then there's some huge pops, which we'll get to. Like, ungodly pops. And then the main event is just pure chaos. There was probably... I feel like... For the, this main event, there's probably fights in the crowd as if it was, like, sporting <laughs> events. Like, you know when you hear, like, big rivalries, like, in football and stuff, there's yeah. fights from the crowd? I feel like this could have had fights in the crowd. Because it's, it's... I didn't think about it. I mean, Cena was always the guy after Rock left. But it, for, like, you know, the cool kids, he was never the guy. Yeah. Punk was the guy. Yeah. And, at, and also, at this time, Daniel Bryan was the guy. Yeah. But that's a whole other subject, <laughs> which you've touched on many times. But, like... Then you have, like, The Rock, who has the kids, has the nostalgia, has just being The Rock. So it's like, who do you choose? And, you know, we'll get to it. But there is huge, like, punk chants, rock chants. People, you could you could watch people go back and forth during the match who they want to win. So definitely good good uh, good play on Vince's part. I'm sure it cost him a pretty penny to pull this one off. And the, the pre-show uh, package for this uh, focuses more so on the punk versus rock feud uh, with a ripoff of the Saw theme. I don't know if you noticed that. No. But the music in there is just... I didn't even notice that. I was like, oh my God, this is great. That's really Twisted funny. pictures two times in a row, right? Yep. And <laughs> the heel turned us. Tonight. Sam Punk. The Rock has waited 10 long years for this shot. To go to the mountaintop one more time and become WWE Champion. This, this belongs to me. The Rock is a man. The Rock is breakable and I'm going to break him. There ain't no way you're going to stop The Rock at Royal Rumble. At Royal Rumble. Time's up. And I thought they did a pretty good job positioning 
Punk as the second most important guy in the company. You know, it's just a shame that he was still number three because he still had Rock and Cena. But it, it is what it was. And it, just, it also just sucks because it's just also so obvious that The Rock was going to win this thing. Do you think, taking out, obviously, what happens to Punk afterwards, do you think this helped his career at all? Helped Punk? From a, like a mainstream standpoint? No. I mean, it couldn't have helped Cena either, right? I mean, from... I think it, I think it did help Cena because I don't think people cared about Royal Rumble or Elimination Chamber, but people care about WrestleMania. That's the only time of the year where you have people who have no idea what's going on, you know, just come out of the work, watch wrestling for a night, and call it a day. You know, how many people did you have show up at your WrestleMania party this year that really don't watch wrestling and just pop by and are like, oh, shit, the Hardy Boys, and then yeah. left, you know? So... It definitely helped Cena. It, it didn't, did nothing to help Punk. And so uh, our first match, which I think on any other pay-per-view would have been a main event, we have the Big Show versus Alberto Del Rio in a last-man-standing match for the World Heavyweight title, which, oddly enough, in bad uh, planning, I can't think of the word that I want to use, but I'm going to say planning right now, bad planning on WWE's part of having the same match Three weeks earlier on SmackDown. Yeah, dumb, dumb. Yeah. They they do this all the time now, you know, where they'll have the same match all the time. Yeah. But this, yeah, this kind of shocked me. But that especially they did it back the then. same gimmick. Yeah. Like, literally, they had the same match. The only difference was Big Show was the champ, loses to Alberto Del Rio, and then they set up this match, which, pretty boring. You didn't like it? I, I thought it, it really bothered me how the show starts with Big Show coming out. Then you go to the announcers talking. And then you went. Yeah, that was terrible. Then you went backstage till Del Rio coming out with Ricardo Rodriguez and Bret Hart's there, giving yeah. a pet talk to. He calls. Del he calls Alberto uh, Del Rio the, kid, the Mexican Bret Hart. Yeah, which he's just not. Like then, there's, they're nothing similar. And then Del Rio calls Bret Hart the Mexican Del Rio, and then the Mexican Del Rio. Yeah. No. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> he calls Bret Hart the Canadian Del Rio. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I guess so we're because it's just, you just dumb. missed the whole joke. Yeah, yeah, no, it's dumb. It's dumb. Um, I, I actually kind of like this match. I, I saw this that this was happening. I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be the worst thing ever. And I thought, like, this is probably my favorite Del Rio match. I actually got a little into this, and I am never into Del Rio. I really don't like Del Rio at all. Um, I was never a Del Rio fan. I was never really a huge Big Show fan, but I thoroughly enjoyed this one. And, you know, some some of the things that I had noted was just like, I can't believe Del Rio was ever a face because he's just not a face. Like, <laughs> even in this when he's a face, he's not acting like a face. Like, I totally thought he was being sarcastic to Bret Hart when he called Bret Hart the Canadian Alberto Del Rio. But apparently he was being, like, yeah, sincere. I, I thought it was like a jab. So, I, I don't know. I don't know how he's a face, but apparently he was a face. And it was weird. I mean, we saw him at a house show one time, and he was so over. And yeah, I just and he was don't supposed to be it. a heel. I don't get it. I just nothing ever clicked for me and Del Rio. Never saw the, saw the appeal. But, as I said, the crowd does like him. And one of the funny things is each time the ref does a count to count, you know, to start to the 10 count, the, cha- the, excuse me, the crowd is going, see. See, or they're counting in Spanish, you know, Udo. Yeah. Dos. So that was pretty funny. It, sh- it showed that he was kind of over, which <laughs> shocked me to no end. But this, I guess it kind of worked because this match wasn't that bad. This was a Cena match, though. Yes. Yes. Because Big Show, 
I mean, it's very slow to beginning. Big Show just dominates because you got to show his force. He gets a choke slam for a nine count. Then Del Rio gets, they go to the outside. Del Rio gets a super kick. It was a very weak super kick. He gets a nine count. Like everything was a nine count in this thing. Then you have, which sh should have been the end because nothing major happens between the super kick and this point. They keep fighting up to the ramp. So they get up to that decoration swinging. I don't even know what the fuck you want to call it. I don't, I don't know what it is. Just but, part of the stage set. Yeah, part of the stage set thingy. And that conveniently has a little like thing for them to step on. So Big Show sets, sets up the table, brings up Del Rio, and it's a weak choke slam, but he choke slams through the table. I thought it was so funny that like the camera is such a tight zoom on them that you think they're like twenty feet in the air. And then when it zooms out, they're like four feet yeah. in the air. <laughs> but that should have been the end of the match. Yes. Any it other competitor, again, they're building Del Rio as, as Cena, because Cena would always get up from that. And it's the same type of thing. And then, you know, JBL just starts going nuts. He's like, we got us a fight. We got us a fight. They, they make their way Which back again, down. Which, again, is a Cena thing. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they make their way back down to, uh, to the ring. And they do the spot that I don't think they did that often then. But now they do all the time. Where Big Show charges at Del Rio. Del Rio moves out of the way. And they go yeah. through the barrier. They do that all the time now. Like Roman and Braun and Goldberg. Yeah. But I don't think they did it all often back then. Because the crowd pops big for that spot. And that could have been the ending. Yeah, that could have been the ending too. But nope, we get a nine count. <laughs> so Dario then hits Big Show's arm with a chair and sprays him with a fire extinguisher. And then he locks on a cross arm breaker in the ring. And while he's doing this, uh, Del Rio's manager, Ricardo Rodriguez, who we didn't even mention, and I was never a fan of him either. Uh, nope. But he takes duct tape and duct tapes Big Show's, you know, uh, boots to yeah. the second rope so Big Show can't get up for the 10 count no matter what even if he wanted to and it's like you know what they're trying to do right make him lose they're trying to recreate Eddie Guerrero they're uh, trying to make the lie chain okay. steal you know like Latino superstar gotcha who's who was a heel but turned face but still uses heel tactics to win even though he's a face and it just doesn't it doesn't work yeah, I wouldn't have picked on him because I just didn't to me, it wasn't realistic because it's a fucking big show. He would have been able to rip through duct tape. He would have. And not to mention, he doesn't even try. No. He's so concerned about the half-ass well, arm I bar. I think it's supposed to be that like he's too big that he can't even reach kind of thing. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a weak ending. Yeah, ultimately a weak ending, but I thought ultimately the match was all right. I mean, I didn't hate him as much as you did. I thought it was I thought it was entertaining when my expectations for were like yeah, this was gonna be fucking garbage. Yeah. So post-match, we go backstage to Dolph Ziggler, uh, flanked by Big E and AJ Lee. If you remember this stale at all, this, is, this was quite the trio. And they're being interviewed by Matt Stryker, and Ziggler claims that you know he's the number one spy, and he's going to win it all from number one, because Big E takes the mic, and he puts on like a great voice to do like a spoof interview. He's like, yeah. this is Big E Langston, backstage talking to Dolph Ziggler. And I should probably just cut it in, because there's no yeah, way I can cut it justice. In. This is Big E Langston, reporting live from the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. So Dolph... The WWE Universe would like to know, what are your plans after you win it all here tonight? Great question, Biggie, and thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah, after I win the Royal Rumble match, and oh, by the way, set the record for longest ever entrant in a Royal Rumble match, whatevs, I'm gonna do something no one else has ever done before. I'm gonna cash in my money in the bank contract, win the world title, go on to WrestleMania and win the WWE Championship. 
and unify the world and WWE Championship on the biggest and grandest stage of them all. So did Big E come right up from NXT and go with Dolph right away? Yeah. It was just right away, like yeah. his bodyguard guy. It's pretty random, but I kind of feel like the, it worked, you know, because Dolph Ziggler, like, he wasn't main event, but he was like on the brink of it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was kind of cool that he had his own little posse of like people who also weren't main event, that but that kind of like believed in him, you know. Yeah. And the three of them together can topple it, you know. That's that's almost the feeling you got. I mean, certainly they treat Dolph like a star. In this whole pay-per-view. Yeah. And it sucks that it didn't last that long. Um, because, obviously, the crowd fucking loves him. And he certainly had the work rate. And, you know, he, he does eventually win the World Heavyweight Championship from Del Rio the night after WrestleMania. Um, you know, but he doesn't even hold that very long. And he's just kind of a one and done. And, you know, did, do you think they dropped the ball with Dolph? Do you think he could have been a major star, especially after... The Cena Rock program was done. You know, you think they could have done like Cena Dolph. Definitely, but I mean, I don't think he ever would have been the guy. And I don't, I don't have a problem with Dolph. So it's not like shitting on him, but I think he would have had to change. And I think even now, like he struggles of like, all right, what's next? But I mean, he got like one of the loudest pops in history when he cashed in on Del Rio, yeah. like in history. So how do you not ride that wave a little longer? You know, even if like. He loses, but then he wins it back in like another like. Yeah, because that was almost like like uh, you know, he Dolph technically was a heel, but he was cheered so much. I mean, yeah, they should have used that as a face turn. Yeah, you know, kind of ride some momentum there. Exactly. Maybe have maybe have him lose it like the next night or something, and he gets it back. And yeah, he keeps chasing it and getting it back. And keep building. Like have Biggie and AJ turn on him. Yeah. And then not even necessarily to join like Del Rio, but, you know, they walk out on him and that's when he loses. And then he's got to do it on his own, you know, and have an 80s montage. But I thought it was cool, you know, that Dolph got this promo time. He's certainly good on the mic. He's just, I guess they just never saw the the X factor in him, even though though he's got the mic work and he's got the in-ring work. Um, But afterwards, we do see a succession of a whole bunch of wrestlers cutting short promos about why they're going to win the Royal Rumble. And I always love when they include guys that you know are not going to fucking win the thing. Like Cesaro and the primetime players who do this together. Like, they don't even get their own separate promo time. But it's like those two in the crowd. You know, the crowd's just like, oh, cool. Oh, oh, cool. The primetime players. I kind of like those. You know, and then it goes to Randy Orton and the crowd just like shrieks and threatens, you know. Even he really didn't have a chance in this one. They go to Sheamus, who kind of had no chance. They go to Wade Barrett. Yeah. Uh, the crowd kind of like boo. And it's just cool. I love that in kayfabe, the Royal Rumble is such an even playing field where you never fucking know. Titus O'Neil could have technically fucking won it because all he had to do was get lucky, draw a good number, and come out with maybe only three or four people left in the ring and be the fresh guy and be able to just throw these guys over a rope. Doesn't mean he has to be better than them. He just has to outpower them for literally a minute. Like I think if the Royal Rumble, the winner got a title shot at Mania, if that wasn't the thing, I think you would have had more random people win. Yeah, like the first couple years were Hacksaw and... and, uh, Didn't King Kong Bundy win? Yeah, but with Hacksaw, though, they wanted him to be the guy. Yeah. But I oh, think big, big John Studd is who I'm thinking of. Yeah, sorry. but like I think it, like say they did the Rumble in like June, mm-hmm. and it led to a title match at SummerSlam because it's not as big. You, I mean, you still want to get Titus, 
But you would have a better shot of having... Yeah. Like, Ziggler probably yeah, would have won. Yeah. yeah. Or even, like, Sheamus repeating. Or Ryback. Yeah. You have... A, they should do something. Like, a mid-year rumble. Well, they... Not the, like, random, like, raw battle used to, I mean, they used to utilize that. They used to do whoever won King of the Ring would get the title shot at SummerSlam. And they, they stopped that, actually. I mean, they obviously eventually killed off King of the Ring. But... That's what they did from I think ninety nine onwards. Cause didn't Billy? No, no, no. Ninety nine wasn't. When was he at Billy Gunn one? I guess it wasn't. All right, so he didn't get the title shot. But like Brock, you but know, he did King get of the one Ring, against got the, the Rock. Title shot. Mabel got King of the Ring, got the title shot. Um, so they have they have done that. They just kind of pick and choose. King of the Ring it. should go to a mid card level, and winner gets Intercontinental or US. Yeah, but those are just kind of like thrown around on free TV all the time. I, I think I think it's I'm worth thin. it to take a mid card guy and put him in a main title shot eventually. I mean, look what it did for Jinder. Yeah, he was lower than a mid card guy, yeah. and now he's been champ for as of this recording a couple of months. It's been over a hundred days. Oof. They they should do something though for those guys because again, look at like you said, Jinder, but something other than like a normal battle royal. It gets old. Why not have a tournament? Even if you don't want to call it King of the Ring, something. Yeah. Like Gold Rush tournament. Or well, King of the Ring would be cool. They should make King of the Ring like just a little network special. I know they did it the one year, but they should do it like a little more fleshed out, like a tournament of 64. And you have guys that aren't with the company, and you throw in NXT guys, so you get yeah. random fucking mashups. You get. I don't know about you 64. Get, you get Braun Strowman versus Jay Uso. You know, like you yeah. get random. No, but I'm, I'm and I'm saying this is over the course of like two months. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a big long thing, and then like you know the big live network specials, like the final eight, you know, or something like that. That would be cool. That that that's what I wish. I mean, they've done big tournaments for cruiserweights, and now the Mae Young Classic. They should just do one in general for the King of the Ring. Throw in indie guys, throw in NXT guys, and throw in, you know, main card guys, and just see what happens. You might build a star if people get, you know, like I just said, it was a random example. But if Jey Uso is out there and he has a 20-minute singles match, because he can, because he actually has this network special that he is semi-main eventing, why the fuck not? If he can fucking go, give him a shot. Fantasy booking. The first annual... I mean, at this point, that's to start next year. 2018, Gore Horseman presents <laughs> WWE's King of the Ring 64-man extravaganza. Let's throw a woman in there. Yeah, why the hell not? Let's bring Beth Phoenix back in retirement. All right. Book it. Do it. Who wins? Beth Phoenix. All right. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> next up is the Rhodes Scholars challenging for the tag team titles versus Team Hell No. And Team Hell No's entrance is just fucking great with Brian plugging his ears to yeah. all the pyro. Like, Team Hell No was just probably like the greatest comedy tag team out there. But then the benefit of it is that they both could actually wrestle. Yeah. So, like, that's just what made it so entertaining. And it just, it sucks. I mean, I, I've mentioned multiple times in here that I really got back into wrestling kind of mid-2013. So it was kind of just as Daniel Bryan was starting a singles push. So it was kind of towards the end of Team Hell now. But I really wish I had seen more of this because these two just have great chemistry together as a comedy duo. Yeah, I was going to say, it's comedy gold. And in-ring ability is fantastic (laughs) as well. Even Cody Rhodes and uh, Damian Sandow, who make up the Rhodes Scholars, kind of have uh, pretty good chemistry together. You know, Damian Sandow is one of those guys where people are always like, oh, he's underutilized, he's underutilized. You know, and then... 
you see him, he gets released, he goes to TNA, and he kind of like bombs out of there in a couple months, and you're yeah. like, eh, maybe he wasn't underutilized. But then on the other hand, Cody Rhodes is one of those guys, he's underutilized, he's underutilized, he goes to the 80s, he fucking is killing it. He's yeah. probably... Killing everywhere. He is the most sought-after wrestler in the world right now. Yeah, and he's he's brilliant because he's considered a free agent, so he could go anywhere. Yeah. See, now this is where WWE fucks up. Bring him in for like a month. As a quote unquote free agent, have him he just do it at this point. No, he I, right now because he's he's too hot to do it. But like, throw any amount of money on him, just come in. Even if you just, you know, have him win a title or lose it, like you know something. Because like you said, he's the guy. But it's funny how you got two guys who are released and two guys who are like quasi retired. Yeah, and this is but, literally just four years ago. Yeah, and did you catch like the greatest line ever that the king drops? No, what did he say? So during the match, because being in the match, you know, it's just kind of back and forth. He, uh, Jerry King Lawler says that he'd rather go to the dentist than fight Kane. <laughs> nice. And I bet no nice one else reference. picked up on it, but as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh my God, that's that fantastic. That is great. Yeah. And that's so funny too, because Jerry the King, you know, is the one who brought him in. Yep. That's, that's excellent. Wow. That's fun. I mean, overall, you know, speaking to the match, it wasn't a bad match, but there was nothing remotely memorable about the end of action. Just kind of came and went. Um... <laughs> Cole and JBL spend the whole match talking about how Kane and Brian just graduated from anger management and the therapist Dr. Shelby. Yeah. I think JBL says Dr. Shelby like 14 times. And they say it throughout the night. Like in, during the Rumble match, like, oh, man, these two should have gone to see therapy. These two should have gone. <laughs> it's like, all right, we get it. Sando eventually taps to the no lock. It wasn't even the yes lock at the time. It was just the yep. no lock. And Kane delivered a choke slam to Cody right before that. Then we get the uh, numbers promo that happens literally every single fucking Royal Rumble. I skipped it. <laughs> I skipped it. You already know what it fucking is. Exactly. Magic number 27. Yeah. Did you know? <laughs> it's just the same It's the same thing every year. Did you know Listen, Drew Carey entered the Royal Rumble? Yeah. <laughs> That's what they should do. Yeah. It's like, all right, I get it. You're expecting a ton of people who this is their only viewing or, you know, one of only two or three viewings for the year. I get it. It's not harmful, but for anybody who watched this little time, this is total skip. Like, this is when you yeah. get up and go, go get some bathroom. chips yeah. or go take a piss or something. But it's just same thing every year. Then we cut backstage to Daniel Bryan and Kane post-match, and they had just drawn the Royal Rumble numbers. <laughs> they did just the classic, like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Yeah. <laughs> and Bryan's delivery on this is just fantastic you know like brian's like just the little geek that can't get kane to like just respect yeah. him just be but bros he, with but him. they need to be bros because they're a tag team champions it's like they're forced to be friends yeah. and it's really funny i really really love the chemistry and this backstage skit was also like really good and it just makes me sad that with wwe studios existing that there is never a buddy cop movie with these two or they anyone any of the guys how is it how have they how has WWE never done a comedy with their superstars? It's always like bad action movies or yep. sort of horror movies. Like, <laughs> like look at South Park Wrestling. Hilarious. Make that a so movie. Good. They should make it make it like a full blown documentary. That'd be yeah. great. They should do they should do like a K, like a kayfabe South Park Wrestling TV show that has like like you know just keep it. Keep it like Adult Swim, you know, keep it like 11-minute episodes. Mm -hmm. They have like what they have now where it's like six or seven minutes of, you know, the funny shit that they're doing yeah. with interviews and stuff. And then have like one like just four-minute match. It's just chaos, you know, just of all them in it's character. barely wrestling. I, 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 I am still holding out that, you know, as of this recording, the angle with Breezango and who's attacking them has not been solved. I'm still holding out that it's going to be the surf dudes with attitude. 
That'd be pretty funny. Or the butchers. It's not gonna be the butchers, but I'm no. still holding on. It's gonna be the surf dudes of that. It too. could be, especially since they've had them interact with the Ascension on TV so many times. Yeah, that'd be a funny like little in joke. I have a feeling though. At this point, it's kind of gonna be like the House Horrors match where they don't know who to pick, so whoever it is is gonna end up being disappointing. Like there's rumors of it being the Authors of Pain from NXT, and that's it's not gonna be. Because they're just gonna squash them, and then everything you've built up with Breezango disappears. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be something funny. I've I've also heard rumors that it's gonna be Harper and Rowan returning. Yeah, I heard that. Um, I feel I think, bad for those guys. Yeah, More Harper than Rowan, but it's. I mean, it really is. Why the hell not? Breezango's a comedy team anyway. Yes, they're getting over, but just have another fucking comedy team. It'll be funny. Like, it'll be it'll be a funny transition to bring in Southpaw a little bit, promote it a little bit. It's. I mean, it's not like they're promoting an old like. NWA thing that's decrepit. Like, they're promoting a thing that they're actively still producing. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Just have them in there. Make it stupid. Make it, make them have one little pay-per-view pre-show match or an opening match on a card on a, on a throwaway, like, you know, fast lane or some shit, and that's it. You know, they always say, it's, oh, it's all about the fans, but stuff like that doesn't hurt anything in the long run, so give it to the fans. You know, it's yeah. not like you're asking to take the belt off Lesnar and give it to Ellsworth, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, they did it with Heath Slater and Rhino. They certainly could do it with Brzezinga. And that was awesome, and it worked. If you can believe it, we're already at the fucking Royal Rumble match. This is only a four-match card. It's really quick, and the Rumble feels like it happens real quick. Yeah, once it gets going and you hit the, like, 10-11 spot, it kind of flies. But as we mentioned before, you know, number one is Dolph Ziggler. He gets a good pop. It's pretty cool. And he's treated like a star so far. And he makes out with AJ hard. Yeah. He cuts like a little pre-match promo, which I always enjoy. And he's, he's like, I had to use him. Carry number two is all that. And then number two, always coming out to a big pop, Chris fucking Jericho. The GOAT. Who uh, actually, you know, Jericho and Ziggler had a feud because Ziggler had re... Oh, not retired. I guess retired? Yeah. He, he forced Jericho to have his contract terminated. I guess there's the term. Yeah. Not retired, but he had his contract terminated on the Raw after SummerSlam 2012. So, there you go. And like I said, he gets a huge problem. The place erupts for Jericho. I mean, surprise returns are always, I feel, best at number two. Because they can just milk it for so long. Because yeah. the match technically hasn't started yet. So they're not worried about, like, you know, just milking it with the crowd. Yeah. You know, and they, they, they start kind of brawling. And the crowd is chanting, you still got it at Jericho. And he does like, he does like a badass. And he's like, I never lost it. Yeah. Which is like, but it's also, it's also like kind of funny too, because now, now we're used to Jericho coming, you know, leaving for a year and then coming back. But it's like, this wasn't very long. I mean, SummerSlam uh, to the Rumble isn't very long. A few <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I, I get it that they missed him and I get it that it was a surprise, but it's like, you still got it. Makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> If it was five years? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, like when Ricky Steamboat was at WrestleMania, yeah, he deserves the you still got yeah. it. But Jericho, yeah, he, as he said, he never lost it, baby. Yeah. So Cody Rhodes is number three, and it's pretty fun that they tried to put Cody over hard in this pay-per-view, too. I mean, yeah. you know, he was really prominent in the tag team match, and then he's a prominent fixture for most of the Rumble. Yeah, he's in there almost 30 minutes. He gets a good run. So Kofi's out at number four, and he's got so much energy right away. But our boy uh, Santino's in at number five. Yeah, and Santino comes out, guns a-blazing, crowd pops, everyone loves Santino. Eliminates everyone, or so he thinks he eliminates everyone. Doesn't actually eliminate anyone. And then he gets a huge pop because he's hot dog and thinking he, you know, just saved the day. And then they all slowly start coming in. So then he whips out the Cobra, starts trying to Cobra attack everyone. And Jericho goes in there and kind of just like, whoa, 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 not me. 
And then, of course, all the chaos just, you know, breaks back out and Cody ends up eliminating Santino because Cody and Dolph get a lot of uh, heel eliminations. They do. Like I said, I like that they put each of them over, like, really good in here. And then we get to number eight with Gold Dust. Huge pop. Huge pop for Gold Dust. I feel like he did around this time. And, of course, you know, it's even bigger because, you know, Cody's in there, so they go right after each other. But I just love how Goldust always got respected. You know, I know he, he was out for a while. He was dealing with his drug problems, and I think he went to TNA, right, after yeah. he was released? he was uh, Black Rain over there, and he was, like, in the worst shape of his life. You know, it's funny. When people talk about TNA, if you actually, like, look at it, all the quote-unquote stars they had were only there because they had drug problems. I mean, not all of them drugs. I mean, some of them just, you know, liked... It's sort of like WCW back in the day. They liked the lighter schedule. They liked the no, you know... TNA was pretty much no travel. Yeah. You know, compared to WCW, where at least they traveled. TNA was essentially no travel. I mean, so, you know, guys like Nash, Hogan, all Jarrett loved it. Um, you know, they they speak pretty fondly of their time. But then you got guys like Hardy, Angle, yeah. Gold Dust, X-Pac. You already said Scott Hall. Didn't Christian have something? Yep, Christian was there for a while. He was their champ for a while. No, but didn't there wasn't didn't an issue, or is he just he just left? I think he just left. If you had ever heard the story, they made a deal when Flair went into the Hall of Fame with the Four Horsemen. You know, they always say Flair's a two-time Hall of Fame. Yeah, because he's a singles one, and then with the Four Horsemen. When he went with the Four Horsemen, he was still under contract with TNA. They wanted to do it because WrestleMania was in Atlanta, and. So they wanted Flair to appear, but because he's under TNA contract, you know, TNA, of course, said no. But they came to agreement that Flair would be able to do the Hall of Fame if they did a talent swap. So WB sent them Christian for the night for one of their pay-per-views because Christian was a former champion there. So mm-hmm. Christian made like a one-night return to TNA. You know, Flair did his one-night thing at the Hall of Fame. And then afterwards, they just went right back to what they were doing. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I think that's literally the only time that TNA and WB worked together on something. Yeah. You know, most of the other companies have, um, even though you could say that they were a WWF property at the time, you know, WWF still let WCW do their final Nitro. If Vince wanted, he could have just shut down the Nitro entirely and yeah. just played Raw on TNT. But he let him he let him go out there. You know, it was Sting versus Ric Flair in the last Nitro match. I mean, you can't really you can't really beat that from a WCW fan standpoint. So they at least had cahoots that one time, you know, we reviewed uh, the One Worlds Collide pay-per-view, which was AAA and WCW working together. Uh, and ECW and WWF obviously had a working relationship yep. for a number of years. But I think that's literally the only time that TNA and WWE worked together. Look at that. Just Look for our that. boy Christian. And, you know, one of the guys, as you mentioned, that wasn't TNA, wasn't Drew McIntyre in TNA? Yep, Drew Galloway. Yeah, and he was he's in this rumble as well. I think he's like number six or something like that. But he's the first, like I noted, non over entrant. Like, you know, there's always those rumbles and the first couple guys get big pops and there's that one guy that comes out and just kills the crowd. Yeah. And this one it's Drew McIntyre. Yeah. It's just interesting that like he's now pretty over as NXT champ currently. Yep. But uh <laughs> just completely dead at this time. And beefed up a lot too yeah. in his time away. You get the fillers. You get Otunga's yeah. in. He's fucking awful. Heath's in. He gets a pop, but he's kind of awful. Uh, Titus O'Neil comes in. You know, Titus is one of those guys we mentioned before on the podcast. Looks great. Can't work. So that's why he's just never going to be a champ. Although, you know, before New Day took over, if there any, if there was anyone on the roster who, you know, if they wanted to do just like a uh, token black champ, it would have been Titus. But... I feel like it should have been. I feel like he should, even if they didn't give it him, 
he would have been the perfect guy to put in that yeah. role. No, that's what I'm saying. He, he can't work, but I mean, listen, Jinder really can't work either, and they're making it work. Yeah. So that's not always a hindrance. Hogan couldn't work, and he was champ for years. Yep. So it's not always a hindrance. I think, you know, Titus is looking, he has enough charisma, especially around that time. You know, now he's kind of put a little lower on the totem pole, and because he's pretty famous for botching his promos, he's kind of got a bad rep um, with some fans. But definitely at the time, he was over enough that they he's gotten better. They though. could have moved it to something. Yeah, like when we went to Raw after SummerSlam last year, his it was bad. <laughs> it was and I think bad. it's just some of those some guys can't be heel. And now yeah. I think part of his was he was supposed to be heel then. Like look at when Natalia first went heels. Yeah. Awful. She smiled the whole like she just didn't know how to do it. No. It's nothing against her. It's just these guys or girls get told, you know, sometimes hours beforehand, like, hey, this is what you're doing, go figure it out. And, you know, there's also just some that Vince just likes. And, I mean, going back to Rumble 2013, Vince always has loved Sheamus. I mean, Sheamus comes in here at number 11. He fucking clears house immediately. Yeah. You know, and I remember when I would briefly watch, like, you know, WB years ago, I hated Sheamus. Really? But now, look, now looking back, he's great. He's great. I love him. Even, even, even here, he's great. I think he's better now. Oh, he's definitely better now. So much but, better. Like, but I'm just saying, like, even here, he's great. Even when his character is just... Irish guy yelling, fe- yelling fella, and yeah. beating people up as just a stupid baby face. Like, it's still great. And they right away say like he has a strong chance of being the for a two-time back-to-back winner, or just back-to-back winner rather. And one dude that they wanted to push in because his initial debut went so poorly was Tensai, who's out at number twelve. He's just out to Albert Chance. Yeah, I mean, come on, who really thought? It was anyone other than Albert. I can't believe how many chances they have given him. Yeah. I guess Vince just like loves him that much because he was A-Train, he was Albert, he was Prince Albert, he was Tensai, he was Sweet Tea. Like, he had so many gimmicks. Yeah. And Vince just must really love him. I mean, and, you know, considering now he's head NXT trainer, he probably has a really good backstage attitude, and I'm sure they helped contribute to it. And he probably but, always did. Yeah. You know, he's probably always just the, like, I'm here for the team type of guy. But I, I was never a fan. And I, I think it's just, I think it's poor creative and it's just weak. It's like going back to the early 90s. Like, you're not really trying to, like, uh, put a hat on and call him something else. You know, like, that's really all <laughs> Tensei is. They put some tat- fake tattoos on a guy who's already tattooed up and they shave his back. Yeah, I mean, we, after Tensei, we actually get another kind of failed experiment because Brodus Clay is in at number 13. With the Fungodactyls, who... One's Cameron's gone and Naomi's, you know, two-time champ. So it worked out for her. Yeah. She sees she, someone who stuck it out and, you know, rightfully so got her, her moment in the sun. And I feel like like Cameron was like one of the last ones of like, I think Ed has mentioned in the podcast before, RIP Ed, um, you know, like the model kind of divas, you know, because Cameron had no wrestling experience. Yeah. She really didn't do it with intentions of wrestling. Um, you know, there's always that infamous story of her on Tough Enough and Steve Austin asked her what her favorite match is. And she just says like some like, I think it was like Melina versus Alicia Fox from like 2011 because she had just started watching wrestling like a year or two before she tried yeah. out. You know, she was just a hot chick who looked like a model who really was just kind of using it to try to bounce into a modeling career. Um, I don't know how well it's going for her because I honestly haven't heard anything about her since the release. Either. Not but, a word. Yeah. You know, and then you got Naomi who... Genuinely seems to love the business and it's really trying and, and really trying gotten, to make the best. Got a lot of, better too. Yeah, and really trying to make the best of her, you know, status now as a as a role model. So doing well. Yeah. So speaking of uh, Prince Albert, he gets eliminated, 
and then your boy Kofi gets eliminated, but he doesn't get eliminated because he just lands on ten sides back, which is pretty funny. Really funny. It, they should have made a joke about like the back being hairy, and that's how you could cling to it. Yeah. So he then gets kind of like shoved, pushed off, jumps off Tensai onto the announcer's table. And, you know, he kind of gets a pop and hot dogs for a minute. And, and then, you see there's like a huge gap. And you're thinking, holy shit, is Kofi going to jump this thing? Like, that's what I thought. I actually had forgotten, you know, the spot that he does. You know, I guarantee Kofi, they tried it like before the show, like to see if he could. Yeah. It. Yeah. Cause, I'm you know, sure he, he had to come close, big, though. Every year Kofi has that big like... Oh, is he going to be eliminated? No, he's not being eliminated kind of spot. Although the one in 2017 really sucked where he was just like on the turnbuckle and he just jumped down and hit his like chest on the pole. Yeah. Like that wasn't daring. That was just stupid because he probably destroyed his, his solar plexus. Yeah. But this one was pretty funny. I mean, it's a huge fucking gap. You think he's going to jump. And instead he asked JBL for his chair. And he just like pogo sticks over. At first I thought he wanted JBL's hat to jump. Because he kind of oh, points. Just the hat yeah, and jump. <laughs> it was so much funnier. It's, it's super fun. I mean, it's obviously stupid. It's made for kids, but Kofi's the man. And for for all the things he's done, I really wish that they could give him one world title reign, even if it's short. It's possible still. Yeah. Hell, if if Jinder keeps the title for a while longer, you never know. His feud could end up being with New Day, and yeah. that could happen. So he bounces in pretty much just to get bounced out again by Cody, like a minute later. Yeah, the crowd's pretty upset at that, but but it to, works for Cody because it's heel. Yeah, and and to and to uh, appease the fans to start caring about the match again, Gore Horseman alumni, the Godfather's music hits over the loudspeakers, and the place erupts. When <laughs> he comes with some woman, you know, and the, they can't even call him hoes. I think they just call him beautiful woman. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Godfather just smiling, laughing, loving it up. He gets in the ring. What happens? He gets knocked out. He's he lasts for officially five seconds, and he only lasts five seconds because he's too big that he can't flip over in a fluid motion. Yeah. like he flips over and then has to like edge himself back to get eliminated. Do you think the plan was to have him be the shortest ever? No, I don't think so either. Just this quick. So. And again, I think the plan was just to have him go in there, be eliminated immediately, probably because they knew he. Probably wouldn't take a bump very well, but you get a pop out of the crowd, and I think they I think they planned out the timing very well, honestly, because Kofi just had a super fun thing, got eliminated. Cody got the heel heat, you know, and then he comes in, and then isn't it? It's either Cody or Ziggler. Kofi that eliminates. Not Cody, Kofi. Yeah, Ziggler, right? Yeah. So, so again, I like that they're building those two. Is like, holy shit, these are actually two dark horses yeah. that could do it. And the funny thing with all this that's going on is lost in the mix is just, and it's very nonchalant even when it happens, is Bo Dallas comes in and he's still in NXT. Yeah, and they treat him like such a scrub. Yeah, and but then they give him like, they start praising him because he lasts, I think, just over 20 minutes. Like, he's in there a while. He doesn't do anything, but, you know, they give him, you know, some props for that. And I'm, Well, I mean, one of the things is like they, they really treat him like he's... In training, you know, like yeah. you wouldn't now say if say if in the you know 2017 Rumble, like was was Joe still in NXT at the time? Yeah. Okay. So say in the 2017 Rumble, if Samoa Joe came out, they wouldn't treat him as he's in training and he's below all these guys. Yeah. Like they just be like they almost treat it as like a rival company. Yep. You know, so it's just so interesting to see how in just a short number of years, I would say even by 2015, NXT was treated as a rival company. 
you know, 2013 and then, you know, 2014, kind of like the last years of NXT being treated as development. Yeah. Um, now it's you know, its Because when brand. Rusev came in, he was booked a little stronger in the Rumble. He came in the 2014 one. Yeah. Um, but it's still, he was like, oh, it's this guy, you know, he's training to be a wrestler kind of thing. You know, and then... And it's still Alexander Rusev. Yeah, and anything beyond that, you know, NXT is just treated as an equal. Yeah. Which so, is pretty cool. So we get to number 19 and we get the one and only John Cena. And JBL flubs hard here on his announcement. <laughs> and as Cena's coming out, he goes, there's no one on their feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. I did yeah. not even notice that. And he should have played it off because he's supposed to be the heel commentator. So he should have just played it off as, yeah, there's no one on their feet. But JBL's always got to be like, oh, big match drawn. And he right away, like, fixes what he said because, you know, it can't happen. Of course, it's fucking Super Cena. I mean, it, barring Brock entering the Royal Rumble... There's not a chance in hell that Cena wasn't going to win this. I mean, they all attack Cena immediately. And Cena, like, immediately eliminates Heath Slater, who really did nothing. But he also immediately eliminates Cody Rhodes, who's yeah. been such a huge deal in this entire match. And then he's out like nothing. I mean, it's it's not as repulsive as the, what was it? That was the 2015 Rumble? Where it was Big Show and Kane in there, and they were just like dropping out Bray, Everybody. And Dean Ambrose, yeah. like just literally dropping them to the floor, just like they're nothing. House, yeah, um, you know, it wasn't as repulsive as that, but it's still, it's like, all right, you built Cody as this major heel, and then Cena just comes in and it's like, all right, lol, you're gone. Yep. So then we get Dan and Brian who comes out, who gets a nice pop. I don't think it's as big as Jericho's though. I think Rumble Sambo, I think Jericho got the biggest pop. I think so as well, but I mean, Brian was still a huge pop. I mean, oh, yeah. And this is really where Cena started to develop like his man crush on Daniel Bryan. Like, this is when he realized yeah. how over he was getting and told Vince, and he's like, I want to put him over. And he originally was going to put him over before SummerSlam, I believe. I think it was Money in the Bank that he was going to put him over. And Cena convinced Vince, like, no, let's wait till SummerSlam to do it. Give him a bigger overage. Yeah, just to. <laughs> He'll lose the belt to Randy Orton immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Which I wonder if that was Cena's thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I doubt that one, but it, it ultimately, that was one of the ones that worked out. I mean, long-term booking. You could say that WWE didn't plan it. You know, they probably did. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that was one of the ones that worked out. I mean, WrestleMania 30 is super highly regarded. Yeah. And the whole storyline of, you know, Brian, you know, after that, you know, kind of, getting screwed over for a handful of matches and then being a little bit relegated and enjoying the Wyatts, you know, and then breaking free of the Wyatts and then getting back to the main event scene, you know, and finally culminating with WrestleMania 30. That was, that was a great storyline. I mean, I was watching every week at that point. I was super invested pretty much only in Daniel Bryan. Yeah. What could have been if he didn't have all those problems? And from what some people say, what could still be? Yeah, and I mean, you know, as I mentioned with Cena, what's also interesting about this is they make sure to have no interaction for this entire Royal Rumble. Yeah. So I don't know if you noticed that, but, you know, we'll see how far ahead, you know, Cena was really thinking, but smart on their part to not waste anything if they had yeah. planned to do that match. And then you get Kane and Dan and Bryan team up to eliminate the great Kali who's in there, and at this point does nothing. He's just there to yeah. take up a spot. And then right after Kane eliminates, or excuse me, Dan and Bryan eliminates Kane, and it's kind of like one of those, like, what are you doing, bros? Sorry, bro, it's all fair. And then <laughs> Dana Bryan gets eliminated, but lands on Kane. And then they're just, like, hugging. And they're just like, no, yes, yeah. no, yes. And the crowd gets in, they go back and forth. Brian's like, put me 
in. Put me yeah. in. And Kane's like, okay. And he walks over to the ring and he just drops, drops Daniel yeah. Bryan like a foot before the ring. <laughs> oh, it is so funny. It's so funny. It's just like two like asshole friends that just rip on each other the whole yeah. time. So we're getting towards the end of here. Orton's out of 26. Just to be the, hey, it wouldn't be too crazy if I won guy, uh, which actually did happen in 2017. I feel like Dumb. he really had no momentum. He was just like, hey, wouldn't it be crazy if I won? And then guess what? He won. Um, so speaking about going back to Bo Dowserman, he does sure. get to eliminate Wade Barrett, which they say for him is a big deal. You know, he eliminates yeah, the Intercontinental and Champ. Yeah, like start up a feud because Barrett's the IC Champ and nothing happens. No, because then Barrett comes out and comes back, rips Dallas out of the ring. They kind of have a quick scuffle and then, like I said, that's it. Could have been like, this was still the time where they would have some stuff down in NXT, like the main guys. Barrett should have gone down for a that month. That would have been cool. Feuded with Bo, put the title on the line in NXT. Could have been cool. It brings people's attention to it. You have new yeah. people watch it. Yeah, but Orton's out there, you know, pretty much just to eliminate a whole bunch of the filler, leading to future rival Jinder Mahal coming out at number 27. And you have Ryback coming out at 30, which... Well, before yeah. Ryback, you have another crowd killer. Kasim Carr is number 29. Yeah. Just the crowd absolutely silent. They don't give two shits. And the announcers are trying to play it off like it's such a big deal that he's coming back from a knee injury. Yeah. And I think this is, like, the different one. Like, isn't this one Hunuko? No. Oh, this is still Mystico? Yeah, because there's no uh, shoulder tattoo. Got you. But he has zero fucking reaction. How does he still have a job? Hunuko? Whoever Sinkari is right now. Yeah, it's Hunuko now. Like, no one cares. I don't know. Like, he's like he doesn't even have, like, the kid thing. No. You know? No. They should just... I don't know. Maybe they just always want a masked wrestler because... In situations like that, they can replace him with another wrestler I and guess. still play it off as the same guy. But but they're not even using Sin Cara on TV, so it really doesn't yeah. matter at all. I don't know. So. I guess it's just one of those guys who's been there for so long at this point that there's no reason to fire him, even though there's not I really guess. a reason to keep him around. Damn. So anyways, Ryback comes in, and instead of like owning people, he just pushes people down. Did you catch that? Yeah. Like what is? And it's not even like... Shoulder blocks or anything like you know, like cool moves. He literally just shoves him to the ground like a bully. He would switch back from heel to face kind of often during this portion, um, but he was heel at this time. So you know he would rely on his power more so than finesse. Not that I Ryback get it, but that wasn't even finesse, power. But... Literally, that was just pushing. Like there was yeah. nothing to it. And then you have Jericho who's still in there, gets a second win. Second win, excuse me. It just starts unloading just to get eliminated by Ziggler. And this is really like Ziggler's last big like hurrah like. And then Orton gets his moment in the sun. He just RKO's everyone, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and I mean, to WB's credit, if it wasn't super obvious that Cena was winning, any of these guys, you would at least accept it. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, I get it. You know, you may not have been super happy, you know, especially if it was like Ryback or Orton as an example. Um, you know, but Sheamus, you'd totally understand back to back. And Ziggler, you'd totally understand because they built him as this, you know, kind of cocky heel this whole time. And it'd be cool if they had him back it up. So you'd get it, you know, but it's it's still so obvious. The scene is winning. Yeah. <laughs> As you said, you know, Orton's hitting RKOs and DDTs left and right. It's just like finisher spam. And then Ryback just eliminates him. Clean. Yeah, like, nothing. <laughs> not even healers or nothing. Just purely clean. So our final four are Cena, Ryback, Ziggler, and Sheamus. And Ziggler gets a road kick to finally be eliminated. And they say he lasted 49 minutes, which is pretty damn impressive. He lasted 49 minutes and 47 seconds, which is the longest time in the Rumble this year. Hmm, there you go. Who was second? Jericho? Uh, yep. And then third was, I believe, Cody. 
And then the most eliminations. You want to take a guess and who eliminated the most people since we brought it up? Uh, Cody. Ryback and Sheamus with five. Oh, wow. I felt like Cody and Dolph eliminated more, but, you know. I think Cody and Dolph had more, like, um, memorable ones. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, Ryback and Sheamus just kind of, like, cleaned house guys. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, got rid of people like Jinder Mahal and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, from making the final three, I feel like both Ryback and Sheamus got the short end of the stick when it actually came to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Ryback faced Mark Henry and lost at WrestleMania, which is bizarre shit. That's questionable. We'll get to the max. And then Sheamus just teamed with Big Show and Randy Orton a job to the Shield of Mania. So the crowd boos Cena and cheers when Ryback interrupts the five-knuckle shuffle. So it's one of those things where, like, JBL would be like, well, there, this crowd's crazy, you know, yeah. when they cheer the heel and boo, and boo the face. But I think this is one of the things that happened in 2014 where I guess WWE mistook them cheering Roman Reigns as really liking Roman Reigns when it was more so just we don't like Batista. Yeah. So this happened here too. Ryback's a heel, but he's getting cheered anyway. And listen, it's it's the right decision. Cena wins, LOL. It's the right decision. Out of for what happens with the remainder of this and for how they wanted to head into you know, what was supposed to be a big WrestleMania, the return to the New York metro area. Cena winning is the right choice. I hate how they called it WrestleMania New York, New Jersey. Yeah, that's stupid. It was New Jersey. Yeah, WrestleMania New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, if, if they wanted to, they could have said New York metro area, but it was fucking New Jersey. So, yeah, he eliminates Rebecca nothing, like, nonchalantly. Yeah, really boring end. I mean, yeah. honestly, not that good of a rumble match at the, all the best part is is when he goes out and poses with the we hate cena shirt guy <laughs> classic cena That's so that. he's gonna go into the main event of wrestlemania versus the winner of our main event tonight which is cm punk defending the wwe championship against the rock and uh we cut backstage to the rock with tom phillips and the rock cuts an interview and he's just so disconnected from current wwe like, The Rock's talking about people waking up and being down on a lock and, like, not getting the promotion and people having cancer and just all these things that have nothing to do with CM one. Punk. Nothing to do with CM yeah. Punk. And it's, like, it's such a burial little punk because when Punk is on TV and doing promos for this, Punk is mentioning The Rock, mentioning how The Rock thinks he's too good and telling the crowd that The Rock thinks he's too good for the crowd and and he's telling the truth because the rock is going out there and he, he's using this to boost the rock he's not using this to boost wwe yeah i mean from a business sense i'm sure listen i'm sure it's beneficial to both i'm sure wwe got a kick out of this didn't you say this was like the highest rumble pay-per-view buys for like four years or some shit like that yeah according to wikipedia so there you go so they got a boost i mean obviously you know wrestlemania's the two wrestlemanias beforehand the one where rock hosted and then the one where he faced cena you know were two of the highest buy wrestlemanias for a number of years prior to that so i get it it did boost to both but i mean this is just so the rock play to his ego he really dismisses cm punk and it's upsetting because it's just like you know all right this 434 rain day rain is going to end because Vince wants the title to be on the Cena Rock match. Sort of like what happened in 2017 where Vince wanted the title on the Goldberg Lesnar match, even though it did not need it. Nope. And so. with this, they could have had Taker win the belt off Punk. Yeah. Imagine Taker. That would have been cool. Taker extends the streak on top of ending Punk streak. It could have been a streak for a streak match. That would have been even better. They should have done that. Because Rock yeah. Cena did not need a belt. No, why should it? Because no one, no one would have believed that. 
Rock was going to stay around for a long time anyway. Yeah. So it's not like, like, what do you think? The Rock's going to go and defend at Battleground? Like, no! Yeah. <laughs> at Over the Limit? No! He's not showing up for that shit. Like, come on. Like, get, get it through your head. Anyone who knows, even if Rock had won the title, he wouldn't even be at the schedule that Brock Lesnar is currently doing. You know, Rock yeah. would be at... Rock would be at Mania, and then he would be at SummerSlam, and then he'd be at Survivor Series, and then he'd be at the next Rumble. Yep. And that's it. And he wouldn't even do house shows. Like, at least Lesnar does house shows. Yeah. Not, I mean, not much, but he does a few. Rock wouldn't, because he was. this is right in the middle of, like, the good Fast and the Furious movies, you know? Like, Fast yeah. Five, I think, was, what, like, 2011 or something like that? Like, this is right in the middle of this. Yeah. So there's no way Rock would have, you know, agreed to wrestle all these matches when he had so many Big movie contracts coming his way. I wonder, like, why he agreed to it. Why Rock did? Yeah, like you know, Vince wanted the money. Yeah, you know, he wanted to bring. He obviously never I think, trusted. I think Punk. Rock wanted to build on his character that he was true to his roots, and you know, we can we can speak of this now before we even get to the match. I mean, the argument is, did that happen or not? Did it build to Rock's character that he cared about WWE, or you know, was it just a thing where the Rock is just trying to be the Rock? I mean, you have to assume there's a little bit of caring to WWE because otherwise you just don't go back. Yeah. You know? I think there's a little bit of caring, but I don't think... I think it was obvious that he wasn't invested in the future of the company. He was invested in the future three months of the company. And that was it. At the end of the day, it was about what was best for The Rock. It was about what was best for The Rock and for WrestleMania. You know, uh, up till WrestleMania. And he didn't care after that point. And... Do you actually blame him? Not really. If I was in The Rock's shoes, I couldn't say that I wouldn't yeah. be trying to better myself while still, you know, undoubtedly proving a business boost to WWE, even if not to particular performers that they want at the top. You know, and, and this is one of the things. This is where, you know, Punk obviously was super upset about this and he wasn't upset at the rock he's you know he said that in his interview with cole cabana he's friendly with the rock they're still friends you know the rock called punk yeah like they're they're still friends they have no ill will to each other punk completely understands you know he was upset with the decision making and that i get it after 434 day reign to you know essentially be put on the back burner and listen i know they made it up for him with another high profile match against the undertaker i mean if you're not main event yeah. that's the next match you want yeah but you know he's he's one of those guys that certainly deserved it he was really the birth of bringing the indie scene to wwe you know without cm punk there would be no samoa joe no finn balor no nakamura all these guys on tv right now it just it just wouldn't happen, or it wouldn't have happened for another number of years. Because if not Punk, you know, they would have had to wait till Daniel Bryan really took it over. But, you know, the argument with Bryan is he got hurt too quickly that did he really make a long, as long a lasting impact as Punk did. And would he have ever gotten over? Because Punk was on the same side as Cena about pushing Bryan. Yeah. Because Punk wanted to be in a match with and Bryan. And we reviewed Over the Limit 2012 where yeah. Punk and Bryan had a fucking title match and he was mid-card because guess who headlined John Cena and John Laurinaitis of all yeah. people <laughs> like so I get it I get his frustration you know and then I also get the argument in that why be fucking frustrated you're doing what you love for a living making you know at that point he's making good money good money if not if not millions very close to millions and I understand he could have been making more I understand business decisions aren't going his whole way 
But I don't know. I'm just not a fan of how bitter Punk became afterwards. I certainly understand him being frustrated. Yeah. And I certainly understand, you know, like one initial interview explaining why he left. But just the whole interview was just so bitter towards everything and kind of and kind of unfairly too. I mean, the people like Ryback who by all accounts from podcasts and stuff afterwards is a douche. Yeah. Um, but bearing Vince or Triple H is one thing, but bearing your fellow workers is a whole nother. And and you'll see you'll see guys now who kind of like go on Twitter and defend, you know, people who kind of aren't defended. I mean Bully Bully Ray, aka Bubba Ray, you know, just tweeted some stuff about all the problems going on with TNA now and he's like He's like, you know, I hope all you TNA guys realize the problem is not, nor has ever been you. You yeah. know, the problem is management, you know, which I think speaks volumes and kind of speaks to punk. And uh, <laughs> I wish I wish he wasn't so bitter because I, I'd certainly love for him to make amends and come back at a certain point. But I, I think the... I think the bridge is just way too far burned. It's just it's just but ashes on the ground. Is right it now. though? Look at Bret Hart. Bret Hart didn't have podcasts and Twitter and all that. Bret Hart made a movie. Yeah, true, true. Bret Hart made a movie about getting shit on by Vince. Yeah, no, I got you. Took a while to happen. No, yeah, punk could happen. But I think at this point, unless he just swallows all his pride, it'll be after Vince dies. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, going back to the Brett argument, you know, with Brett stuff, you can say with 100% certainty it was business. You know, yeah. yes, it was fucked up to Brett, but it wasn't personal. It wasn't because it was Brett Hart. It was because they could not even risk that title showing up on Nitro. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas in Punk's case, yeah, you, c- you can't really say it's business because what makes a triple threat worse than just Cena Punk? I mean, excuse me, worse than just Cena Rock. Yeah. I don't think anything makes it worse. I think it just makes it better because then someone see, who's CM Punk? Oh, that guy's pretty cool, you know, and and going on. But, I mean, I guess it's time to finally get into this match um, where it's quite unfortunate that you know Punk is going to lose. Um, (laughs) Punk is out first also, which I hate. Should be out second. They do it so the Rock gets his pop. I get it. But come on, be out first. He was champ for 434 days, and he was never truly treated like that. What the they should have done, and it would have been worked perfect with how Punk was acting right now, is the Rock's music should have hit first, and then Punk comes out. That would have been cool. And then switch to his music. That would have been cool. You know, and another thing that they really haven't mentioned on the pay-per-view thus far, but The Shield did debut at Survivor Series. Yeah. Um, so they're pretty new, and they're still kind of like, whose side are they on? You know, and they're presumed to be CM Punk's cronies. Well, yeah, the whole thing is Vince said that if the Shield get involved, Punk's stripped of the belt. Yep. So they sort of mention it, and then, you know, when he gets to it, it's a whole other thing. Rock's pop is obviously huge, and of course Michael Cole has to call it electric. But even Punk's pop is right up there. Oh, yeah, like, he has so much charisma, too. I love before the match when Punk is, like, so confident that he's going to retain that he just tosses his belt to the ref. Yeah. Like, for the ref to hold up the belt. Like, he he just doesn't, he doesn't, like, show with the... You know, I understand what they're trying to build here is that The Rock respects it and that Punk isn't respecting it, but it's really, truly the reverse, you know, yeah. if you actually know the backstage kind of stuff. So I thought it was, like, a cool little in thing for fans. Like, it just, it makes the snarky fans really be like, yeah, Punk's our guy. Like, yeah. he fucking gets it. He knows this is bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. The one thing I never understood in this time period is 
Punk does not need Heyman. Never needed Heyman. Like, Heyman's perfect with Lesnar. Lesnar can, is good in short spurts. You know, Heyman was good for that three weeks with Cesaro. Yeah. He's, I didn't like the whole uh, Heyman and Curtis Axel one. I wasn't big on that one. But I feel like if anyone doesn't need Paul Heyman, it would be CM Punk. Yeah. That'd be like if they put Heyman with Austin back in the day. Yeah. Like that type of thing. You know, like, why would you do that? Yeah, it's just not needed. And uh, it doesn't add anything. You know, like Heyman throws in like two cheap shots on the rock when the ref isn't looking. But he doesn't add anything to Punk's character. Yeah. I mean, the match gets started, and kind of the story of the match is that Rock has suffered some internal injuries from a triple powerbomb by the Shield on the go-home Raw prior to this review. And Punk spends much of the early portions, you know, focusing on the midsection in the back as a result. Um, One scary spot in the match is Punk's dive through the middle ropes, and Rock, like, doesn't soften his fall at all. Yeah. I'm sure Rock, you know, call it ring rust or just call it Rock, uh, you know, not having the reaction skills at that point. But that just must have killed Punk's knees. Like, he lands right on his knees, and you could tell, like, his facial expression is he isn't, he isn't happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, it fits in character. But if, like, if Punk had been the face and that face would have came out, like, that, that, would, that would have been breaking gameplay big time. I love when they go to the outside and the Rock goes to take apart the Spanish announce table, and the crowd goes nuts, like, oh, yeah, we're getting this. And then Punk takes back over control and puts it back together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they do eventually get to the Spanish announce table because Punk taunts the uh, go to sleep on the Spanish announce table. However, you know, Rock prevents it. And he goes for a rock bottom. But before he can hit it, the table just breaks. Terrifying. Just collapses. <sighs> That's another one. That's like the second scary spot. It's like, I don't think people understand, like, when they're watching wrestling, like, that stupid shit is so much more risky to them than, yeah. like, taking a fucking powerbomb on the table because they're prepared for the other one. Yeah. You know, it's a thing that they're not prepared for that's scary. And you could tell The Rock's hurting. Oh, That's yeah. not just, like, kayfabe, like, aches and pains. He's yeah. hurting from that. Like, it gets to a nine count, and it's, like, a very close ten. Like, mm-hmm. the ref definitely waited a solid ten to fifteen seconds before even starting the count. So they get back into the ring, and they trade strikes until Rock just finally plants Punk with a spine buster. He preps for the people's elbow, but then the lights just go out, and you hear a brawl erupting, and it's like, it's pretty funny, too, because you hear the grunts of the shield. Yeah. Like, back then, you probably wouldn't recognize it, but, like, now with all three of those guys being main event for so long, you know their voices so yeah. well. So it's so funny. And, and I then was, you just hear Cole going, that's the shield! Yeah. That's the shield! They're and right you, in front you of hear, us! Like, the table bre- you hear a table breaking, and... You know, the lights come back on, and it's been revealed that The Rock has gone through a table, and it's presumed he was triple powerbomb. Do you think they actually put him through the table? I was literally just going to ask that. I was like, do you think that they actually went through with the spot, especially in the dark? Yeah. Knowing that it's pretty easy to mess up? Or did, you know, they just quickly take something, break the table, Rock went on top of it? I mean, I've tried to pay attention because, like, like now you would have been able to figure it out between better cameras and phones and all that. But, like, then... Like, you see some flashes, and you see stuff going on, but you don't see enough one way or the other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you literally, they do a good job of masking it entirely, that it's yeah. the shield. Because there is no visual proof whatsoever. And it's probably really dangerous. There's probably people, like, walking, and then the lights went out, and they fell down the stairs or something. Like, so you think they, probably really dangerous to do it in the middle of a show. They must have been under the ring. <laughs> but Right? I mean... They were probably in the crowd. Or, or they were up at the entrance ramp. Because they had to be Lights somewhere out, close enough. And Lights went out, ran out. So, you know what? Maybe they didn't actually do it. Cause maybe, maybe they, they weren't were, even there. Because maybe they were up at the ramp, lights went out, and they just walked over by a mic so they could do the grunts. 
well, Rock win and you know jump through the table on a song. I don't know. Could have. I mean, I guess, I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll have to see if there's any videos on like YouTube of people. If anyone knows this. any conspiracy theories, let us know. Let us in on it. Because I'm, I'm, I'm interesting too. Because like in that spot, there's no actual reason for them to risk any sort of injury by doing it. Yeah. You wonder if they just did it anyway, just because they trust each other that much. Well, that and you take the risk of somebody getting a shot. Yeah. With their phone yeah, or camera. True. Yeah, you never know. Oh. Say, say, the, say, it malfunctioned. Only half the lights went out. And it's just so funny afterwards because Cole's just like, Kyoto, Kyoto, yeah, so it annoying. was the shield. So annoying. And JBL's just like telling him to shut up. <laughs> shut up, you stooge. Yeah, Cole just ruins it, though. Like, Punk plays it up as like the innocent, like, oh, I don't know what happened. It is so funny. So funny. And Punk just is like, is picking up Rock, just rolls him into the ring, and he gets the one, two, three. And this is the first time I had seen this match, and I was like, holy shit they put punk over and i was like i know rock goes into mania with the belt and i'm like and i know he even goes in elimination chamber with the belt I'm like so what did rock show up at like raw or was it determined in raw that it was the shield they stripped it they wanted the rock like how did this happen and no because punk is celebrating and he's having a grand old time and i'm thinking god damn there's still like 11 minutes left in this show something yeah. screwy has to happen and Vince McMahon comes out and, you know, he says, I told you if the shield interfered, you'd be stripped. And the rock cuts him off and the rock flubs his line. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't take it from him. I am. You are the man, Rich Takada! Oh my god! Oh, I love it! I love it! I do Let's too. go! <laughs> Come on, Rock. That is two lines that you flubbed. You know, because in his promo earlier he flubs the line. He's like, he's like, the man works hard all day just to just to get the just to get passed out for the promotion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, god damn, the match is gonna restart. And I hate this shit because anytime a title match restarts, you know it's only gonna happen for a minute. Yeah. You know, they, they did this at WrestleMania 12, the Iron Man match. Like, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels literally went for 60 minutes. There's a time limit. You know, it's time limit draw. They're like, no, it's overtime. And then it's over in one minute. Yeah. It's just like, that's come it. on. That's just a disservice. Just fucking let him go for a little bit How longer. great would it have been, though, if they reset? Because you know once the reset, like, all right, Rock's winning. But if Punk still won. Or if they reset the match and Punk just went up and, like, kicked Rock in the balls to get disqualified. It yeah. just took it and went home. I always, uh, I always like never understood that. You know, say it was a Money in the Bank, and say it was a, f- a, it, it doesn't even matter if it's face or heel. Just as long as the face can do a heelish activity and get away with it, and the person was cashing in Money in the Bank after the guy just went through like hell in a cell or something like that. Why doesn't he just kick him in the balls immediately and get disqualified? It's like the match still happened. You still got the title yeah. shot, and you still won. It was just my DQ so to win the belt. Like, you know, because there's no rule saying that that's automatically a no DQ. So why, why don't they ever just go ahead and immediately DQ themselves? Or, or Punk even could have just literally let it ring the bell, walk out of the ring, and let him get counted yeah. out. So just to wrap this up, because there's another point I want to make to this. You know, we go back in. Punk goes to the top rope, hits the elbow off the rope for a two. Rock gets up, 
Punk gets up. Punk goes for the GTS. Rocket's out of it. Spine buster. People elbow for the win. Should have been a rock bottom, but whatever. Rock's mom's there. She's loving it. The crowd's loving it. Rock's hot dogging. The end. Now, Ziggler should have come out. Whoa. Doesn't even have to cash in. That would have been awesome. Imagine it just ends on a face-to-face. That would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. or you just didn't even have to come over. Just come yeah. out to the end. But I'm saying, yeah, they just they face off. Wow, why did they fucking do because that? Because Rock is beat to shit. Shield beat him up, Punk beat him up, Heyman no, got I in shots like No no no, I'm saying it would have been perfect. No, no, yeah, yeah, I'm saying just but it would have been believable. Because then you still have the Rock winning and you're still building one of your stars that is gonna be there when the Rock is gone. Yeah. And they never have to interact again. No. Because it won't it doesn't add anything. Was it one of those things where cause Ziggler's briefcase was blue. Was it he could only use Money Bank on the World Heavyweight Championship? It might have been. I mean, because the brand split didn't ha- the brand split was already gone. Yeah. But they still treated those two as separate titles. So they're probably then. I don't know if that because he the does case. cash in on Del Rio, but he cashes in on Raw. Yeah. No. No. That's what I'm saying. Like the titles, so. the titles are not set to a show. But I wonder if the Money Bank was set to a title. Kind of. But don't know. if not, that would have been huge. So much better. And like, like you said, they didn't have. They wouldn't even have to have him cash in. Just yeah. stand there. Just have his music hit. Yeah. And him come out. That place would erupt. Yeah. Wow. It would have been. I guess. In, I guess they just didn't want to take anything away from the rock. Confuse casual fans. You know, even though they spent the whole pay per view building up Dolph Ziggler. It was just for the Rock. That's really why they didn't do it. The Rock has to have his moment. And it really reminded me of. Remember, I forget which what pay per view it was, but there was a one where Stone Cold wins the belt. And he's out there hot dogging and drinking beer so long that his music runs through twice. Mm-hmm. And there's, I got the same vibe from this one because, like, he, all right, yeah, we get it, he won, but it's like five minutes of the celebration. JDL's calling him the greatest champion of all time. Yeah, he's not. I mean, we we get right to the ratings. I mean, this is gonna get a. Uh, what are you gonna give it? I'll see. I'll, I'll I'll base mine off how you feel. I'm gonna give it a six, and in my MVP, I'll give. I'll give it to Punk. I'm not going to be... I'll, I'll never be one of those guys who, like, those fans that when Punk left, WWE died. Or those fans that when Punk left, he died. Because it's it's completely different circumstances, but you can relate it to Benoit. You have to acknowledge he was there and how fantastic he was. But he just chose the wrong path at the end. You know, and it's... You kind of hope something will happen. But then it's just... At the same time, you don't because... What is Punk coming back right now going to do for the business other than just cause pure chaos, you know? Because say he comes back tomorrow and they don't put the belt on him right away. People will be pissed off. And then they do put the belt right on him right away and people will be pissed off, you know? So it's like, now isn't the time. So I, I, I did, you know, he does piss me off, but he doesn't piss me off. So I'll give him the MVP because I, you know, watching, the, if I was watching... Because I wasn't watching yet, so but if I was watching as a casual fan, I'd be like, oh, Rock has to win. It's the fucking Rock. So I understand yeah. the Rock winning. But knowing what I know now and loving wrestling as much as I do now, Punk should have won. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I don't think I don't think Rock Cena needed the title. I don't think it needed to happen, to be honest. Just like, just like Goldberg Lesnar didn't need the title. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt it by any means, but I don't think it elevates it. No. You know? And it just didn't need to happen. Yeah. You go through all this fucking shit about once in a lifetime. They made, you know, put out DVDs on just the background of it and all this stuff. And so why, why bother? And yeah. it didn't help Mania. 
It's not like it was. No, that mania sucked. Yeah, <laughs> and that match sucked too. Because they didn't do anything. They, I think, uh, they knew it. Rock knew he was leaving. Probably didn't want to get hurt for yeah. whatever movie he was doing next. You know, Tooth Fairy Two, whatever it was. <laughs> Starting the end of the line for Punk. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he got the consolation prize instead of the main event of having a match with Undertaker, which was probably the most entertaining match on that card. To be honest, I mean, maybe, maybe Lesnar Triple H, but. I think I think Punk Taker was probably the most entertaining of that, and uh, yeah, really really started the downfall. And as as we mentioned, it doesn't seem like he had any ill will towards Cena or towards Rock. You know, he understood it from each of those guys' perspectives, but just didn't agree with it from business sense. And I and I agree with him on that. It would not have hurt business at all to make it a triple threat. No. Wouldn't have hurt business in the slightest. Would it have Would it have increased business incredibly? Probably not, but wouldn't have hurt and would have proven to your workers who are there day in and day out that they are just as valued as guys like The Rock who made their name for themselves 12 years ago. Or switch the roles. You have, say you have The Rock win at Rumble like you did. Don't have the Elimination Chamber match. Have Rock either face someone else or nothing happens at all. Have Rock Punk at Mania as the runner-up match. And then right then and there, you could have done Cena Taker as your main event. Yeah, that would have worked too. I don't think there would have been any problem with that. Um, Probably would have been better. Because then you, have, you could have Punk win it back, yeah. and then Rock and go off in the sunset. And then you could lead up to another great run of Cena Punk because Punk beat Rock. Cena couldn't beat Rock. I mean, listen, throughout all this conversation, the fact of the matter is if at WrestleMania 29... If Rock vs. Cena was a five-star classic, no one would be complaining about any of this because yeah. it would have all been worth it. You know, I don't think people complain that much about the Goldberg-Lesnar thing because Goldberg-Lesnar at WrestleMania was so damned entertaining. You know, they they were complaining going into it. God, what a disservice to Kevin Owens, blah, 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 blah. But when the match was that fun and Lesnar's run afterwards has been that fun, people have already forgotten about that. You know, yeah. they're kind of over that. And it hurt... Owens for that time period, but it didn't hurt him permanently. You know, Owens still got right back into the main main event scene pretty quickly. Yeah. So. So what are you giving it? Let's get out of here. All right. I I was gonna go six. Like yeah, I think I'm gonna drop it a tiny bit because there was so many opportunities that they had that they missed. So I'll go to five. Uh, my MVP. Kind of want to do a co- I want kinda, like. There's four guys that deserve it. And I don't know. You could pick for me who my MVP should be. There's four guys who deserve it. Okay. Each of them deserves different reasons. Dolph Ziggler definitely deserves it for putting on probably the most memorable performance in the Rumble, which was a pretty shit Rumble, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And for actually building decent character outside of it. Uh, Cody Rose deserves it for being a good despicable heel throughout the show. Uh, Punk deserves it for putting up with all of this. And Daniel Bryan deserves it for being like, a highlight of the show the entire time. Like every time he was on there, you were either amazed at his wrestling ability or laughing at, you know, his comedy. I think you have to take out Brian because you can't have Brian without Kane. Okay. Um, just for the sake of being different, you take out Punk. Okay. Um, so go Ziggler. It right. definitely makes sense because this I'll was go Dolph really Ziggler, my MVP. It bled up to it. So yeah, so we got a five and a six. We got Ziggy and Punk. And, uh, yeah, that was 2013. That was January. That was episode 37. 
And we hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of the Gorsman Podcast. We do apologize that there has been some changes to the format a bit. Uh, you know, but we hope to still uh, still continue the same quality of, you know, like, what what, what would you say? What we are, like a C minus, D plus? Uh, same quality of shit. Yeah, same quality of like a D plus coming at you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, we'll be we'll be kicking this up again. We got some fun episodes playing out down the line. Um, I guess we'll we'll go back to the thing of announcing them on Twitter, you know, a little bit beforehand, get yeah. you guys all pumped. I mean, we're not going to Or have... maybe we'll make an amendment to this episode before it goes out, announcing what it is. Who knows? We're still working out the kinks as far as scheduling a third host, a non-third host, what to do. So bear with us a little bit longer. But you can always check out our back catalog, as always, on SoundCloud or on iTunes or on Stitcher or on our brand new website. Uh-oh. If you go to gorehorsemanpodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, but yeah, check it out. That's going, that's going to have an, all our back stuff kind of slowly put up there. Hopefully it's caught up by the time this episode is actually coming out. And we hope to see you for episode number 38. Yeah. Thanks, kids. Good night. Yo, this is strictly a club record dedicated to everybody who used to stand outside in the cold when the FLEX was spinning at the Red Soul. Put it down. The Italian bouncers would not let me in. You know what I'm saying? Yo, yo, yo. I got 50 Bentleys in the West Indies. It doesn't matter. I got a pocket full of cheese and a garden full of trees. It doesn't matter. I just won the bingo, bought a crib in Rio. It doesn't matter. Cause if you ain't sharing, people ain't caring. Come up in the hood and they take everything you're wearing. Back in the days, it was all about the clubs. And so-called thugs used to dance to break for love. The girls, they wouldn't say hey, unless you bought the champagne like it was their birthday. Me, I used to stand outside, hustling my way. And I'm on the guest list, plus five. Just performing tonight, he said Shaba. It's the lover that believe you the selector. Stop. Disrespect yeah, MCs and catch a smack in your left ear Light up like Vegas when it's time to gamble Girls speak for me like I was part of the Beatles But I'm not honey, but I could be your Paul McCartney And Ebony your Ivory into my jacuzzi Foundation like Cool Hurt, a DJ Red Alert goes berserk The needle ain't skipped, the record jerk Cause y'all jumping too hard I got 50 Bentleys in the West Indies I got a pocket full of cheese and a garden full of trees Run the bingo, bought a crib in Rio. Yo, cause if you ain't sharing, people ain't caring. Come up in the hood and they take everything you're wearing. Yo, Rock, I just bought a fresh Bentley. It doesn't matter if you just bought a fresh Bentley. How many of y'all ever been to a barbecue and you always got an honor uncle want to show you how the old dances go? And they started off like this. <laughs>